1: 123 of Cowboys Ride for Free the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin, and we've made it. It's game week, man. We've, we've finally we were there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're, we've done it.
0: JP, we're actually talking about a game, and not just like hey, there's a games coming in the no. We're talking about a game because it's this week. It's like hours away.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I. I've the first weekend of college football is just like, it's a holiday for me, just like I treat opening day for baseball. it's is I, I am sitting my happy ass on the couch for, I'm, I'm going to roughly say a good 14 to 15 hours watching college football. I will be up at 8 a.m. to watch college game day. I don't care that the Oklahoma State game is going to end at roughly 3 in the morning. Uh, I got to watch the full three hours, and then my first beer will crack at 11 a.m., and it will just be a day of grazing food, drinking beer, and watching whatever college football game I can.
0: My first beer will crack at 9.30 p.m. on Friday. That's true. I'm
1: I'm talking more like the full slate on Saturday, but you know what I mean. Uh, Can we
0: just – I understand that Labor Day is Monday. Could we make the Saturday before Labor Day Father's Day? Could we just move (laughs) Father's Day there? That's a good call. So that as I'm already like, this is going to be Daddy's Day. Like he's going to be in his garage. Uh, he's gonna work on projects and and watch football all day, and then in the afternoon, that's all he's gonna do. And uh, my, my wife's already like, um, you you're not gonna not be a parent on Saturday. I was like, well, I mean, I'm kind of gonna not be a parent. Like,
1: this is this is your opportunity to indoctrinate your daughter in college football. She will not have no idea what's going on, but it's your opportunity to at least get it going there. You know what I mean,
0: dude? She's not gonna like do you, if I I'm not gonna get to watch a game. Like I'm trying <laughs> to do, like she's seven months. <laughs> She it's on shop. Sesame Street and she's like,
1: ha 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 ha,
0: ha. next. <laughs> you're like, okay. We, we have ruined her by giving her like too many things to play with, and now she's like, mm, this is fun, next thing. This is fun, next. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah, the is ADD
1: work. is setting in early.
0: So, I would rather just be like, you know, Dad, it's hot out here in the garage. Dad's just, he, you're going to have to take her in. It's too hot. Hi. <laughs> Dad's got his TV pulled out here in the garage, and he set it up and moved all the cars out, and he's going to you know work on stuff and which, watch them.
1: which of the games beside the oklahoma state game are you most excited to watch
0: uh well <laughs> if, if we got texas maryland part three it'd be that but uh, yeah. um <laughs> um oregon auburn is going to be a big one um i'm trying to think usc cincinnati no no, no. usc's playing um fresno state is that this weekend? I think so. Man, I can't keep track. Like I, I know the games that are coming, and I and it's super sad that I can't remember the full schedule, but like sorry, I'm so inundated with Big 12. I can tell you that, you know, Louisiana Tech versus Texas, are, TC's playing University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, which is Woohoo. The Big 12. Okay, we're gonna sidetrack for a second. There are seven Big Twelve games versus FCS teams this year in week one. And I know I don't like these games, but I really understand them. Yeah, um, I, I've had a running theory for a while, and and it kind of started putting two to two together. You know, Oklahoma State's got that that eight game series against Tulsa that they did with the four home and homes, and it makes a lot of sense. It makes even more sense when you go and look at once they release the numbers of like athletic department revenue, and Oklahoma State's is way down there. You know, it's it's. Of what we know, it's like 7th in the Big 12 in athletic revenue. It's not It's not awesome. And if they're going to have more money for recruiting, and they're going to have more money for coaches, and they're going to have more money for all these other things in the football program, you've got to save money somewhere. I don't love scheduling FCS games, but when you realize trying to get these games against Rice and against South Alabama, and, and trying to schedule these series, these group of five teams are charging like a million dollars for for a yeah. game. It's a lot of money. Like it, it's you have to schedule SDS teams. They're like, yeah, we'll take six hundred grand. Yeah, that's fine. And four hundred grand does. You're like, what's the, the it's not that's real money, folks. It's not just like throwing numbers around. Like that's real money. And so OSU's become in a situation where if we're going to continue to spend more money on recruiting and try and you know you saw the recruiting budget, we did that story on the site. If you're going to have more money for recruiting, you've got to cut it somewhere else. And that's on that's scheduling Tulsa for eight games so that your travel is significantly reduced. You, you're you're not going to pay Tulsa, and Tulsa's so happy to have that. that I promise you that series was financially a deal because for Tulsa you're getting Oklahoma State to come to you four times in eight years it's the same reason I think OSU has got this four game series two two and two um, with Arkansas you know there's proximity Um, I I think there's some I I think it's the reason you saw the Rice game disappear and that you're going to see some FCS games move around I think Oklahoma State's looking at their scheduling as this is where we can kind of cut back to save money for other things like recruiting because Oklahoma State's doing the best they can. Um, they've they've bumped up their budget, but you just don't, you listen to Tate doesn't lie. Adam Lunt said it. If you can't spend what the big dogs are spending, you're not going to out recruit them. It's right. just not. And I and I know people don't like hearing that. We won 10 games three years in a row. You're talking about 18 year olds. You're talking about influence. You're talking about having the money to be able to do things. It's just you just can't you you can't compete with it. And I it's it's why I'm I'm coming around on, you know what, if FCS teams are going to be cheaper to schedule than uh middle of the pack group of five team, all right. That's fine. Give me give me Missouri State. I don't love it, but if putting Missouri State on the schedule, and I don't know any of this, this is all just theorizing. If putting Missouri State on the schedule means we have more money for recruiting, bring on the
1: Bears. Exactly. I, I'm I'm all for you know, cutting costs where we can to get the best players we possibly can on the field. And if that means we're playing, you know, FCS schools every year, so be it, because that means we're probably getting better players because we're able to put more money and put more costs into recruiting. And I'm fine with that. Uh, Oklahoma State's what they're, you know, they're like I said, they're the bottom of the Big 12 when it comes to athletic revenue. So wherever, wherever Oklahoma State has the opportunity to put more money into the football program, go for it. Um, I think i think that's you know that's a really great point and something that not a lot of people think about but I think the article was fantastic on the site if you haven't got the chance to read it uh, go ahead and do that because it, it breaks it down in a little more detail but I, th- I think that's a it's definitely something to look at uh, as time goes on you know when we're looking at we have some of the you know idea of what the schedule looks like uh, non-conference wise but there's going to be ses games sprinkled in there as well that uh, not necessarily to look forward to but When you see that on the schedule, you know know why it's there and it's not there purely for just oh this is a you know a forty point win or whatever.
0: No, I I do think there is. Yes, it's nice to have that win. And look, SEC teams do it. Like it's it just is what it is. But on Saturday, they are they are less expensive to schedule them than it is to schedule a group of five, a North Texas or a uh, Central Michigan again or a uh, Western Kentucky. Those programs are trying to build themselves up and they're doing it by milking Power 5 teams for one, $1.1, $1.2 million for a game. And that's why OSU was doing three-game series because it usually meant that they would end up spending less as opposed to one-offs. And even those three-game series are expensive and you're... Wait, What's wrong with it? I, I love an eight game series against Tulsa. I have no problem oh, yeah, playing Tulsa awesome. all the time. I have, I love seeing Arkansas on the schedule. There's no reason you shouldn't play Arkansas twice a decade. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Plus, you know, for your fan base, who wants to go to central Michigan? I know Tulsa is not awesome, but it's literally just like right down, down the road. That's, that's, that's fantastic to me. Absolutely. Okay, so that's not really what I, – I went off on a tangent when we were supposed to be talking about uh, what games I'm looking forward this weekend. Okay, now that I have the schedule put up and I can sound smart because so I'm actually going to look at it. It's – uh oh, it's UCLA Cincinnati. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't care about that. That's, that could be interesting, but
1: yeah, – Pat McAfee's calling that game. That's literally the only reason I'm watching it.
0: Yeah. Uh Let's see. Friday night, ooh, Tulsa, Michigan State before OSU and Oregon State kickoff. Utah, BYU on Thursday. I probably won't watch much on Thursday. Okay, so Saturday we get – really, this Saturday, this opening weekend slate is not just like awesome. Ole Miss at Memphis, meh. Uh, West Virginia potentially getting upset by James Madison. Yep. I think. Alabama Duke, gross. That came, uh, Northwestern at Stanford, that could be sneaky good.
1: That that's going to be like a thirteen to ten, offensive ineptitude slugfest.
0: Okay, Boise State and Florida State Ooh. could be sneaky, oh, sneaky.
1: Good. That'll be sneaky good.
0: Uh, yeah, Oregon Auburn that night. Those would be two games that I would, of course, throw on at like the same exact time because mm-hmm. why not? Why not? Yeah. So yeah, those would be a couple. I'll, I'll keep an eye on. And of course, whatever the Pac-12 After Dark is on Thursday. Or on Saturday, which is Fresno State at USC. uh, Bring it on.
1: If if Week 0 showed us what pac After Dark is going to look like this season, then inject it in my veins, please.
0: That is a perfect segue to Oklahoma State's opener against Oregon State and why, despite everything on paper and what we know about both programs, you should be a little bit nervous yeah. about OSU in Corvallis. Now, I'm not trying – I'm not calling for upset. I know that there have been – I've seen a couple people like, dude, look, it's upset alert. I'm like, eh, no. No. <laughs> like that's called – you don't know anything about OSU, saw their record from last year and went, oh, they must not be very good anymore. Like, okay. But it's season opener, new quarterback, entirely new defensive line. Um, you are on the road – on a Friday night, the crowd's going to be. What crowd will be there is not going to be a crowd who's in the middle of a ten-game losing streak or five-game. This is a team. It's a crowd that's going. It's the first game of the season. We've got some. We're we're, we're being optimistic. We're we're ready for some football. We're going to be excited. It's not going to be a huge crowd. But Friday night, all the way in Corvallis, Oregon, whole different time zone which throws you off far more than people want to give credit for. Like I don't think fans ever really give credit like it's a it's this we're talking <laughs> a whole different time zone and a big one. It's a weird thing and Pac-12 after dark are some amazing and weird games. There's plenty of reason to walk, look at this game and go, "Okay, let's just let's just see what happens." I always think back to was it the 20 15 opener at central michigan yeah which was just awkward and weird and not fun to watch and osu won but it was closer than it should have been i just have this weird feeling of osu will win this game they won't win by a ton and it'll be close at halftime and oklahoma state fans are gonna be like what's going on what are we doing switch quarterbacks run the ball more you know, the usual stuff. And it's gonna be like, guys, like understand the situation of what's going on. You saw that if you watched the Miami Florida game, that was that was a great game. That was some ugly football. Oh, because yeah. it's your season opener. Like you're gonna just just be prepared for to just be prepared to not watch OSU go into a bad Oregon State team and be up by twenty at halftime. Okay. That I just don't think that's what's gonna happen.
1: No, I don't think it will either. The pack 12 Pact 12 after dark is just too weird. We have too many instances of it. I don't care who it is. We, there, weird things happen at those those late night games, at least in our time zone. Uh, for, watching Pac-12 football, I just, I, I think it's obviously a game Oklahoma State wins relatively handily, but I don't think the score will necessarily indicate it. Uh, we will get more into that. Uh, here in a little bit. Before we do that, Philip did an interview with Taylor Miller. She is the communications coordinator for USA Wrestling, uh, former uh, Oklahoma State graduate. Uh, sat down and talked with her for a little while. I unfortunately was uh, at a couple baseball games in Tulsa and was not able to be there for this one. But this was a really good interview. Once again, uh, we've I I think we've done a great job kind of highlighting some uh, people that graduated from Oklahoma State or doing stuff in the professional world now. It's it's been really cool to see over the, the last few weeks when we've done these interviews. Yeah, it, it.
0: This was a lot of fun. Uh, this so this is the end of our our kind of our summer OSU alumni media series we've been doing, and and if you haven't had a chance to go listen to some of the previous ones, we've had some a lot of fun, some really good interviews, uh, some really smart people working in sports. She's fun because it's the first one we really talked to that that dealt with wrestling. Um, She was around the wrestling program. Um, She talks a lot about how John Smith is the GOAT, both as the coach and someone who helped her kind of get into this position and, and fall in love with wrestling. And now she's working on the national stage. We're talking USA Wrestling. And we get to talk a bit about just Oklahoma State's reputation nationally and and, and what it's like you know, it's kind of a fun thing when you're in USA wrestling and she gets to talk about this and you're from Oklahoma state and that carries some cachet. There's some, there you kind of get to, you know, lift your shoulders high when, when people find out about that. Cause they, they want to know it's, it's a really, it's really cool to kind of find out what OSU's reputation is on the national level. Um, we talk a bit about, you know, the growth of, of the sport. Um, there was a tease in uh, the PFB article where they uh, talked with Mike Holder and God, forgive me, Duckworth. Oh, thank goodness. We talked about Seth Duckworth's article and, and the mention of you know the potential for women's wrestling and collegiate sports. Talked about potential at OSU. I mean, it's a really fun interview. She is fantastic, and I, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, no, I th- it was it was fantastic to listen to. I got the chance to do it uh, while I was edited before I. Uh, I'm going to have the opportunity to edit the, the uh, podcast, but it's it's cool to talk about wrestling, especially with Oklahoma State. Like You just can't go wrong bringing it up because it's such a huge part of the athletic history of the university. Uh, before let us get into that interview right now, without further ado, before we do that, let's get into a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back uh, previewing the game against Oregon State on a little bit deeper level.
0: we're wrapping up our summer series today looking at oklahoma state alums who work in sports and sports media obviously with football starting next week it's probably a time to to wrap this up and i'm very excited to to do so with an oklahoma state alum who's currently working with usa wrestling and obviously wrestling is pretty big in oklahoma state so this seems like a perfect in cap to our little summer series very excited to have taylor miller Joining the show today, Taylor. Welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. So let's just let's just start with this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your time at Oklahoma State?
2: Yeah. So I started in 2010. Um, I actually initially went to Oklahoma State to become a Spanish teacher. Um, after my first semester, I realized that's not exactly what I needed to do. I uh, wanted to write. So. Um, That next semester, I started working at the Ocali. Uh, They put me in the sports division, having had no prior experience, which is pretty lucky. Um, From there, I went on to work in Oklahoma State Sports Information Office. I started off um, with tennis, and then moved into wrestling to finish off my undergrad. And then for my, during my grad school, I did men's and women's tennis, as well as wrestling um, at one time. And then finished it off with wrestling my final year. So that was 2016.
0: That's pretty awesome. So tell me about your time just around the wrestling program. I mean, we most Oklahoma State fans, we, we know OSU is good at wrestling. There's a there's a, a deep history there. Obviously, uh, Coach Smith is the goat as far as wrestling <laughs> goes, especially when it comes to coaching. But. Right. We don't get as much... I don't think we get as much inside and behind-the-scenes access to wrestling as maybe we do some other sports. So kind of tell us what what the program's like behind the scenes and what your time with them was like.
2: Definitely. So I had never seen wrestling until I went to Oklahoma State, and um, I stumbled upon Oklahoma State versus Iowa Duel, which is historically, though, that's one of the best rivalries in wrestling. Um, So I kind of fell in love with it immediately. And then getting to work with them... um, I was learning the history as I was meeting the people involved in it, which was really cool. So, um, coach Smith, you know, yeah, the goat. Right. And, um, <laughs> it was really interesting to, uh, I don't know. Cause when I first met him, he's a normal dude to me. Right. But then when I start learning more about his past and his successes in wrestling, it's just, I kind of began to like revere him a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I formed a really great bond with coach Smith. He, was somewhat of a mentor to me while I was there. Um, and he really, really pushed me to getting this job. He he helped me feel really confident in myself. And um, yeah, so it was really, really great working with him because he builds champions, right? And so uh, while I'm not an athlete, I felt like he really built me up to be successful. Um, and then just being around the sport or being around that team in general, like the room is really humble considering who is in there right so at the time Kenny Monday was there and uh he's an Olympic medalist right and so it, it was pretty crazy uh being around some amazing talent uh, coaching and athletic wise but like I said they're super humble Coleman Scott one of my first events I ever covered for Oklahoma State wrestling like in this like when I took over the sport and in sports info was Coleman's bronze medal run at the 20, uh, 2012 Olympics which is crazy to think about so Um, Super humble group to be around, so intense. Uh, Every practice was a war, Um, but it was really, really fun because uh, it was just a family. You could just tell everyone was so close immediately. Even the new guys that came in felt immediately connected with with everybody else. So it was a great time.
0: So you are now the communications manager at at USA Wrestling. Obviously you fell in love with wrestling at Oklahoma State as it sounds, and you said that Coach Smith kind of helped you get into this role. kind of walk me through what is, what is your job title entail with USA wrestling?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. So there's only a staff of three of us in the communications department. There's myself, uh, the director, my boss, Gary Abbott, and then a coordinator, Mike Willis. And so we split the three of us split all of the communications work at USA wrestling. So right now what that means for me is we have, um, So there's three different international styles in wrestling. There's men's freestyle, women's freestyle, and Greco-Roman. And we're coming up on our world championships. They are next month in Kazakhstan. So right now, all three of those teams are here in Colorado Springs at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. So right now, what my day-to-day looks like is coming to the OPTC, um, getting some content with those wrestlers, whether it be an interview or whether it be social media, um, and as well as escorting other media outlets that are here um outside of this week it's a lot of writing and previewing our events because at usa wrestling doesn't really stop um there's always a season going on so once our international season finishes up it's right into the college season and once that's over back into international so there's always something to write about there's always something to cover um there's a lot of traveling involved and so i've been to like three different countries this summer um for that and heading to another one in a couple weeks. So yeah, it's, it's all encompassing when it comes to communications here. So nobody has really like a specific area. We all just kind of take on bits and pieces of it.
0: So what do you like most about your job at this point?
2: For me, it's definitely the traveling. I've always wanted to travel and uh, I wanted a job that would allow me to. And here I am three years in, I've visited several countries visit several states several new cities that i've never seen before and so it's been really cool to like literally see the world as part of my job
0: so i'm curious obviously for oklahoma state fans we all know osu wrestling very well and and believe that it is very well known especially in in collegiate wrestling but you know working with at usa wrestling what is the what's the reputation of of oklahoma state on a national scale
2: yeah so oklahoma state obviously has a great history and um Nationally, we've put someone on the Olympic team every year except for 2016. So um, it's definitely well respected at the national level. Dayton Fix, who was NCAA finalist last year, he's on our world team this year. So he's going for a world championship in Kazakhstan next month, um, which is super exciting because he went. He had to beat a world silver medalist in order to get there. So it's just like it's showing that our level of competitiveness at Oklahoma State is just growing even more. Uh, Alex Derringer actually just wrestled last week for a spot on the world team. He fell a little short. Uh, he wrestled Kyle Dake, who won a world title last year. So really tough match. But just the fact that we're putting these guys in these positions annually, uh, it really does show the strength that and the tradition that Oklahoma Oklahoma State is continuing. So it's really cool. It's very, very cool to be a part of it and to be able to interact with those Oklahoma State guys. Um, almost on a monthly basis, depending on what event is next or what training camp is next, that kind of thing.
0: Is it kind of cool coming from OSU with the reputation it has in this role with with USA Wrestling? Does it uh, does it give you kind of like a cool feeling of like I mean I came from OSU like you know it's look at the guys that are here that I that I know and I have a connection to like is it is that just add something to the job that that a lot of other people don't necessarily get?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think. It's so interesting because once people find out that I worked at Oklahoma State, the first question I usually get is, hey, what was it like working with John Smith, you know, and I kind of get to like puff my chest up a little bit and like, yeah, I do know that guy, like we are cool and uh, yeah, it definitely like gives me a little bit of a, yeah, I don't know, I do, I feel so cool just knowing that that's where I've come from and to know that people respect it so much and that people do ask me tons of questions about it all the time because they're so interested. That's a place that they want to get an inside look at. So it's nice to have that um, that vantage point.
0: So obviously you were with the program for quite some time. Um, one of the one of the things that are being talked about now, especially by Mike Holder, is uh, a goal is to finally upgrade some facilities for the wrestling program. It's something that's been kind of left for too long. You know, it, people would, the program was just kind of taken advantage of. Um, we knew they were good they were good with what they had and and other sports needed to have some focus but finally some focus is being put on on osu wrestling and their facilities to try and get them up to i mean a a degree that the wrestling program deserves what what are kind of some of your thoughts and of of the facilities now and, and what would you like to see or think would really be beneficial to the wrestling program as far as facility wise
2: that's a really great question um facilities now, I think, like, they're manageable, right? Like, if you, if you talk to Coach Smith about it, at least a couple years ago, if you would have talked to him about it, he would have just been like, yeah, all we need is room and some mats. Like, we're good to go, you know? Um, but it is it is starting to become more and more important to recruits these days just to have a really nice, a, nice place, like a little sanctuary of their own, like a little home away from home. And um, I think that's evident with, like, a lot of these colleges are really buying into that. And, like, Ohio State, they are unveiling this – massive, beautiful wrestling facility um, that they have put so much into because they really do believe that that's gonna help you know propel their program. Um, so yeah, I think it is you know long overdue kind of as you said, because this is you know one of the more successful sports at Oklahoma State. So yeah, it's great to see that there there's talks about it and I hope that that happens soon and I think it really could benefit the program. Um, down the line and not just immediately.
0: Well, I've had a few other um, female OSU alum working in, in sports media. You're a little bit different than working in 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 like newspaper or on TV, whereas you're working in communications with, with a certain organization. So I'm curious your perspective on this. Um, obviously women who work in sports have to deal with a lot of things that men have no clue or grasp about. But I'm curious from your perspective, someone who worked with the Ocali now, and now works with USA Wrestling, how much do you have to deal with from from the usual guys questioning females and their ability to cover sports in a different position than, than say, most women who work in sports media?
2: Oh, yeah. So um, wrestling tends to have a... Uh like a good old boys club type feel, you know what I mean? Um, women's wrestling is on the rise, but still a lot of people are very skeptical about it. Um, it is it is pretty difficult as a female working at USA Wrestling, because the sport is mainly dominated by men, um, whether it be a working capacity or athletes, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it is, it's tough. I get questioned a lot about, you know, or someone will ask me a question, uh, whether it be a historical thing, whatever, I'll answer them, and then usually a second later, they're turning to my boss, asking him the exact same question, um, not trusting my response, I guess, just maybe thinking, because I am a female, that I'm not, I don't know, not competent enough or anything like that, I, I'm not sure. But it is, it is frustrating uh, at times, but I don't know, I get, I get talked over a lot, those kinds of things. So yeah, there are, there are struggles um, on this side of things as well. Uh, I'm not quite as public as maybe someone in TV or uh, newspaper because I do only cover one sport and I'm not really, you know, my face isn't shown everywhere. So I do, I am thankful for that, that I don't have to deal with that kind of scrutiny. But yeah, it's tough. The wrestling community is very, very small. So, um, you know, you're, my name is usually recognized as a man's name. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny when I meet people and they're like, you're a girl? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, they're just it's just little humps that you have to get over. But overall, the the job itself is just so fulfilling that I'm able to brush those off pretty easily now.
0: I'm I'm, I'm curious your stance on kind of where wrestling and, and collegiate wrestling is right now. I mean, it's it's always going to be an Olympic sport. It's never going to reach the, the pinnacle of of say football or basketball. But sometimes it's hard because as OSU fans. It's something we care about, um, and when your sport, your school is good at a sport, t- you tend to view it as something that is that is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but from from your perspective, where does does college wrestling stand? Do you do you see it growing, um, and how do you think um, programs like or, or companies like Flow Wrestling are helping to kind of, of raise raise up the the awareness and popularity of the sport?
2: Yeah. So I think the sport in general is growing a ton. Um, Thanks to guys like Ben Askren and Henry Cejudo with these um, big MMA careers that have that are, are constantly making sure that wrestling is, is represented well and is uh, recognized. Even when people talk about their success, they, they always bring up wrestling. So I think that is a big help for us, um, just as a sport in general. Uh, Collegiately, yeah, it's definitely growing, um, especially uh, on the women's side. Uh, we are in the process of giving of getting um, NCAA emerging sports status for women's wrestling, which is a huge feat. Um, there has there have been women's college programs around for a few years now, but um, it's nice whenever you get that NCAA emerging sports status to, to feel legitimized because it is it's, it's it's these these women are tough, you know. It's a it's a real it's a real sport, you know. Um, but yeah, collegially it's growing. And it's growing rapidly, and I think especially with the addition of women's wrestling, that's only gonna help it grow. Um, with companies like flow wrestling and track wrestling, they're doing a great job of just putting it on putting wrestling out there in a way that maybe someone like a company like USA Wrestling can't quite do because we are supposed to be neutral. We are more of a PR take on things. Um and they get to have a little more fun with their stuff, right? They get to uh, kind of stir up some controversy and bring up, bring about some questions that maybe we can't pose to the fans but things that get that get people talking um, and I think Flow Wrestling has helped quite a bit as well because they have helped us with the trials process called Final X and that is it's, it's our final step in selecting our senior world team and we were able to bring it to different cities several different cities in one year and they're helping pump that up quite a bit and so yeah, to answer your question, I think uh, wrestling is on the rise, collegiate wrestling is on the rise, and um, companies like Flow and Track are really helping make it a little more popular.
0: So I'm going I'm to wrap on this, Taylor, and, and you mentioned, you know, women's collegiate wrestling, there's a, f- a few programs that have been around, it's, it's starting to kind of gain some momentum. Uh, uh, Mike Holder had an interview with uh, with Pistols Firing uh, about a week or so ago, and, and there was a mention, nothing... Specific, But there was there was a mention about women's collegiate wrestling. And I'm curious your thoughts on the idea of, of Oklahoma State looking into adding that sport at OSU.
2: Oh, I think it would be massive if a school like Oklahoma State or a school like Iowa or a school like Penn State with these amazing men's programs would be able to add women's wrestling. Because, again, I think that would be even another step in legitimizing the sport um, for people taking notice to see, well, Oklahoma State is so rich in tradition and they're adding women now like they must really believe that this is this is good you know uh, i think it would be freaking sweet um, <laughs> especially because we have some really great um uh, young talent in oklahoma on the women's side um and, and we have for a while i know becca leathers is a choctaw native and she won a world bronze medal two years ago for us on the senior level so yeah there's some real talent coming out of oklahoma state or oklahoma um I know there's a there's a young woman named Ainsley Lane who is starting at Presbyterian College, and it is the first one program with women's wrestling. So she's from Oklahoma as well. I think she's from Bixby. So yeah, it's I think it would it would be a huge step for women's wrestling and wrestling in general if a school like Oklahoma State um, added a women's program.
0: So Taylor, I hear a lot of commotion behind you. I assume there's some some practice going on. I don't, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Do me a favor for everybody who wants to check out uh, check out your work and and just give you a follow to, to learn more about USA wrestling where can they do so?
2: Yeah, so for my personal pages um, they can follow me at Taylor Miller USA that's on both Twitter and Instagram uh, to follow USA Wrestling, it's just USA wrestling or check out the which is where a lot of uh, my work is. Uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Taylor I want to say thank you again I really appreciate you spending the time to talk with us this has been it's been really good it's been really enlightening and I uh, you know I know Oklahoma State is known for wrestling but it's good to just get some some inside information and, and learn that we're not the only ones who think it's it's a pretty special program.
2: Awesome I, I really appreciate you guys having me on let me chit chat for a little bit.
1: Now we're back, and as Philip and I briefly touched on uh, when we were talking on our on our college football tangent before we got in the interview with Taylor, uh, Oklahoma State does actually play a football game this week. to playing Friday night in Corvallis. Hallelujah! City. Oh man, we've like I said, we've we've made it. It has been a long off season, uh, but here we go playing at Oregon State, nine thirty uh, Central Time on Friday night. Uh, this is a game against the team that, despite being Power Five, is. Kansas levels are bad if you've never if you haven't watched them in recent years. I believe I think I heard on the the franchise when I was driving to Oklahoma City uh, this morning that they've won nine games in the last four years, two and ten last season. Uh, this is a game that Oklahoma State, like we talked about, should win handily, but the score may not reflect it. Like I I think and you know the guys over at Tape Doesn't Lie kind of had a similar thought. And I swear I'm not copying them at all, but I was thinking right around the range of 38 to 20, 41 to 23, something in that range Like they're going to cover, but they're not going to they're not going to blow them out. They're not going to drop you know by 40 at halftime. Man, I hope they are, but it's not going to happen. This is a game that Oklahoma, that Oklahoma State should win convincingly, uh, despite maybe what the the score should show.
0: Yeah, not convincingly like win by 40, just convincingly right. where you can tell OSU is the better team and they've, they've played better ball and they've just, they've, they've kind of controlled the game. Like I said, I think it could be, I think this is one of those games that be closer at halftime than Oklahoma State fans want it to be. Um, I'm, <laughs> I love that we're all just like, yeah, 38 20. I'm like, I was thinking 38 21. So that just sounds and feels about right. And, and I could see a, you know, mm-hmm. twenty one to, to fourteen halftime that's like, uh, what's going on here? So I, I I I'm I'm expecting OSU to win. I'm expecting them to win convincingly, but I just don't think it's gonna show that way in the scoreboard. So I, I agree with you there. So let me ask you this, Joel. Um what what are you besides just actual football, what are you most interested in seeing on Friday?
1: I'm interested to see the offensive game plan for Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, you're breaking in a new quarterback, but you're also playing a team that is horrendous against the run. The game plan needs to be death by a thousand cuts as much as you possibly can for a spread Big Twelve offense. Chuba Hubbard, I want to see him get the ball so much. He'll if the if the game plan goes right and they actually implement what I'm talking about. I don't it would not surprise me if Chuba runs for a buck 80 or 200 and a couple in like two or three touchdowns. Like he's so good between the tackles and Oregon state's interior defensive line and linebackers are bad. He is going to run rough shot all over this team. If given the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, so I was talking to Jared Denny of the uh, Corvallis uh, Gazette-Times on the 10-12 podcast. We were doing our, our Oklahoma State-Oregon State game preview. That's our, our game preview for the week. And he made a, a pretty good point on the, look, the, the Oregon State-run defense and the defense isn't going to suddenly be stellar by any means, but they they have had some transfers who are now el- eligible, so, including uh, Addison Gumbs, who came in from OU, who registered sat out last year um they've got some guys on the defensive line who were four-star guys at OU in Nebraska who, who've who transferred in and are going to take starting spots this year so now you're looking at a situation where they were bad last year but the guys who were their best guys last year are now serving as, as backups and reserves and they've improved that position so I don't think Oregon State's suddenly going to become a just shut down the run team. I do think that they are going to be better than they were last year. They were god-awful at run defense last year. I don't think they're going to be god-awful. I don't think they're going to be great, but they might be closer to decent this year. Um, I do agree that, that the game plan does need to be run the ball until they stop you. Uh, but I do think they're going to have a better run defense this year than they did last, and I, I do think that's something to keep an eye on. I, and as much as I hope, hope Gundy just runs the ball, this is their first chance to give Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders game action. And that's really what the decision between who's going to be the guy is going to come down to is who looks better in a game. And I, I think they're going to give them both their chances and their shots to to make some plays and, and show what they can do and, and how they handle you know, live action uh, in this game to try and – because if I'm them, I wish I had this figured out between the two of them already. Like everyone, I wish I did too. Yeah, I, Everyone's tired of talking about who's it going to be. Like I'm sure they are. We all are. We'd like a quarterback named. They're going to want to try and figure this out as quickly as possible because I, I don't want to go into Texas without a, a, a guy named. I want yeah. the best guy figured out, and I, I want to go into Tulsa with the guy getting a full game of action as as the starter under his belt before they go on the road to face Texas and Austin. So I, I would I would hope they, they take advantage of this game as an opportunity to try and let both guys do some things. Um, but I do think they need to lean on the run game here. I, yes, it's a better run defense than last year, but it's still not going to be like – we're not talking about
1: Alabama here. Yeah. So – of the two, we we're going to see both guys get pretty significant reps, I feel like. I don't think it'll be I, – I, I'm interested to see if they ride a hot hand, uh, and maybe we don't see as much of both guys as we kind of anticipate right now. But who do you think impresses more? Because I go back I, – I want to lean Drew Brown just because it's really – it's Spencer Sanders' first game action at all in college, and I think we're, we're going to see some mistakes – but I just I, I don't know, man. It, it's so weird to have a battle where it's not. I don't think there's a clear cut person right now. It's going I mean, into game one, it's. It I
0: I think the situation is what we all think it is. Drew Brown is a more talented guy, higher ceiling, uh, more athletically gifted, Spencer bigger Sanders arm. Yeah, Spencer Sanders is the, is is the is the better athlete. He's the more talented guy, bigger arm, faster, um, and much higher ceiling. But Drew Brown is more game ready. And that matters. I, I think it does. Um, I I understand the idea of putting Spencer Sanders out there and letting him figure it out. But he's still young enough that if you think Drew Brown's going to win you more games and Spencer can spend some more time getting ready, I'm okay if Drew's the guy moving forward, but I want to let them both play. Um, as far as this game, I have a feeling what we all think about this situation is going to show itself in this game yep. i think we're going to see drew brown be a little bit more reliable now remember this is the first game of the season they're both going to be a little bit like uh, you know game they're one
1: jitters for sure yeah
0: but i think that drew Brown's going to be the more reliable consistent guy i think because i don't think everyone talks <laughs> it's so weird that I don't think Drew Brown sucks. I don't think this is a situation of like, oh, why can't we just name the obvious awesome guy instead of playing the terrible guy? I, this is not a Taylor Cornelius situation. I, it's not a knock on Cornelius. I think Drew Brown's tape better than Taylor Cornelius. Right. I think Drew Brown is a good quarterback. Uh, look, I say good. People are like, oh, I means he's awesome. Let's just have a, a blunt and an honest conversation. I think he's a good quarterback. I do. I think he's going to win. A, he can win you quite a few games. I think he's going to show that. I think Spencer's going to have a moment or two where you're just going to go, damn, that's why we're all excited about him. But I have a feeling Spencer's going to have a, that's why, freshman, he's a not the, that's why he's not the starter moment. And that's what's going to make it difficult is how do you balance high uh, that high of a ceiling with that much lower of a floor compared to a guy whose ceiling may not be as high, but his floor is much higher right now.
1: Yeah, so I wrote, couple articles the last couple days about making a case for each quarterback. One was read more than the other, which I thought was interesting and yeah. shocking. Her, shocking. Okay. I'm I'm just gonna say this real quick and I'm gonna go off on a tangent real quick. <laughs> if, if you're going to comment, tweet, uh Facebook, wh- whatever on an article, read it before you comment. Because not only will you show your ignorance, you will also show that you didn't read it by Asking the, who the author is, when the author asks you if you read it. By far, that's my greatest moment as a very, very lowercase journal uh, J journalist. But I, I just, I had to say it. <sighs> read the article before you comment, please. That's all. That's all I'm going to say.
0: What? No. Facebook is for reading headlines and making assumptions on articles and making comments about them. And then people reading those comments, assuming that the other person actually read the article and making comments about their comments and so on and so forth. And then society burns to the ground it, because it was, we're lazy it, and ignorant.
1: It was, it was very interesting to see the difference in the comments from uh, the Spencer Sanders article versus the Drew Brown article. But I tried to make a legitimate case for both guys because I think both guys can be successful for Oklahoma State this season. People and don't are,
0: want to give Gundy any leeway in this whatsoever not at all. Not at and it, all. it has so much to do with Taylor Cornelius last year mm-hmm. and and to some extent well that and you have the Alex Capers brandon weed and, and and there's a certain point where I get it but too many smart people keep saying no they're both they're both good this is the problem and I always go back to are you are you okay winning seven games because Spencer's the future versus nine with Drew Brown? Do you yeah. Know what I mean it's, like, it take,
1: yeah? It's so when I was writing the article, I was really trying to make a legitimate case for both guys and try not to. I tried to take any sort of bias or any sort of perception that I had out of it to just. And you did make you a did a great case. job
0: with those. You really did.
1: Thank you. And I really tried to convince myself of what Spencer Sanders is going to be this year, and I just felt. I just think Drew Brown is the guy right now. I, tru- I truly believe that he is going to go out and he's going to ball on, on Friday night. I don't know what where it comes from, but I think he's going to be the guy for at least half the season until he maybe shows otherwise once conference play rolls around. But I think right now, Drew Brown is your quarterback. Spencer Sanders will play, but Drew Brown will be more impressive on Friday and will prove why this battle was so close. And it's not just Gundy. Siding with the redshirt senior, he will prove that he is the better quarterback, and will prove why he is going to help Oklahoma State win games, and why Gundy values that.
0: Yeah, I think Brown's the first is is the first guy on the field as far as quarterback play goes, and I think he's, I think he's probably going to be being the guy, um, unless Spencer's made a ton of progress these last few weeks and is going to come out and just. Pull a Brandon Whedon and we all go, "Oh, well, all right then. Well, that's that's the guy. That's and, the and, guy."
1: And you know, I won't, I won't give it a second thought if that's the case. You know, we're all talking. Currently, we're talking in speculation. Yeah. Uh, th- that this could all change, and when we talk after the game on Friday, we're gonna we may this may all be moot point and mean nothing.
0: Isn't, isn't it always though? Isn't like, it always, yeah. We don't we don't know shit. We, yeah, we assume we, and read and
1: and we try look, our, follow we, we, and we try our damnedest to put a, to be to be right and we're usually not. It's fine. Uh, no, no, no. Let's no. talk. talk we talked a lot about the offense uh, for the last. Well, you know, I want. I've
0: got one more offense. Got one more offense yeah. thing. Okay. Um, go for it. So there, there's a uh, when when I was at Media Days, um, Gundy. Somebody asked Gundy about you know how, when when did you know Thailand was was the guy and basically said, you know, we, we got him. It was kind of like James Washington. They got him out there and they, uh, Tom it's against, was it pit a few years ago? And he just made some plays that made him go, wow. Um, uh, didn't get a lot of snaps, but when the snaps were, when Thailand got opportunities, he always seemed to find a way to impress the coaches. He'd have some moment, even with the few opportunities given to make them stop and, and notice. I'm waiting for that moment with CJ Moore, and I'm curious how quickly it will come. Um, that that third wide receiver position is Jordan McRae, who's the South Alabama transfer, is listed as the starter for now, and then it's McCoffman or CJ Moore. Um, I... I have a feeling C.J. Moore at some point is going to give us throughout this season some a wow moments. And I'm so, I'm so. I'm really, especially after Gundy made that comment, I'm going to be watching for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, every time he's on the field, I'm going to be watching him going, I'm ready, show me what you got. Because maybe Talon comes back next year, maybe he doesn't. Someone else is going to step up, and he seems like he's going to probably be the guy... Um from all we've heard, the issue is not about talent. The issue is not about ability. It's about it's all the other stuff. It's it's the little intangibles like does he does he love it? Um, has he got his head on straight? Is he is he is he focused in the right way? But talent is not the issue. I'm I'm real excited to he's gonna have one and I I hope he has one against Oregon State and I and I'm gonna be watching for it to happen.
1: For sure. And you mentioned Jordan McCray real quick. That Adam and Mitch over at tape does a lie have me way too excited about what he's gonna provide this season. They were pretty impressed with him uh, when they were able to go to Extreme Camp and uh, go to the open practices go to the practices and stuff. So I think I, I'm wondering how he compliments a guy like uh, Tylon Wallace or Dylan Stoner. Uh, but that just again it just adds to the embarrassment of Rich's oklahoma state always has a wide receiver but i'm i'm fascinated to see how he does moving from south alabama to oklahoma state but let's go to the over to the defense really quick what are what's your kind of like reasonable expectations for what we'll see defensively on uh, on friday
0: so i'll be curious look the defensive line is going to take a little bit of time i'm 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 not sure I'm as worried about it as we have been, but we'll see. I'm not as worried about the linebacker position because I do think Oklahoma State's going to start playing a lot more dime, which means you're going to see a lot of safety corner moving around um, as opposed to traditional linebacker spots. I know they list them a traditional linebacker. I know that um, – Rodriguez has moved to the linebacker position. He's listed as a linebacker. I think you're going to see kind of a balance of who's going to play linebacker. He's also going to play safety. I, I think they're just they're going to have guys all over the field. To to just to, I, I I'm not as worried about it as I was entering the the season. Right, I'm
1: no, um, not
0: either. I think that as long as the defensive line holds up. That secondary is good enough. We're going to be okay. I forget who was talking about it, and and the point I thought was really good. I don't care how good of a secondary you have. If the defensive – if the front can't put pressure on the quarterback, if a quarterback's got time to sit back there for four, five, six seconds, I don't care how good your corners and safeties are, he's going to pick you apart because a receiver is going to get open. They're going to have to make sure they get pressure. I think they can. I think they will. I'm very excited to see what this defensive line, what this front does. I'm excited to see how they bring pressure. Jim Knowles is still going to bring pressure. Um, I'm excited to see how that happens and, and how they go about that. Uh, Luton is the starting quarterback for Oregon State this Friday. He's not what I would consider a mobile quarterback.
1: No, he's a, a sta- he's a statue standing in the pocket. Now, he's 6'7", so he can see over everything, but he doesn't move. If you can get pressure on him within two and a half, three seconds, you got him.
0: Yeah, and I, I, if Oakland look, if Oklahoma State can do that, yeah, it might be over quickly. But I'll be curious to see what this defensive line does uh, because I'm not worried about the secondary. I'm just not. Um, if if they can do their job and get get to the quarterback and put pressure on him and, and force him to to make decisions quickly, I think this defense will be better than last year.
1: Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see. It'll it'll be interesting. Like I said, I'm. I'm saying cautiously optimistic about the defense just because there are depth issues at some spots right now with injury or just flat out we don't have enough guys right now that we know for sure are going to be or, you know high impact. But I think this game is going to be a decent litmus test because Jamar Jefferson is a pretty solid running back for Oregon. 1,300 yards last year as a true freshman, so he's he's pretty good. Uh, so if Oklahoma State can maybe, if they can take him away and get a little bit of pressure or at least limit Jamar Jefferson and get consistent pressure on Jake Luton, then Oklahoma State should win this game running away. Uh, but if one of those guys is able to get any sort of footing and any sort of rhythm, then I get a little bit nervous. But I'd lean more on trying to limit Jamar Jefferson over worrying about Jake Luton because he's extremely inconsistent. We we saw that if you watched, I think I, I watched a little bit of the game against Oregon from last season. and. Adam Long brought this up on tape as a lie, and I saw the same thing. He would stand in there and make a great throw over the middle, hit a guy right in the hands, perfect throw, and then the next would be like a five yard out that he would spike. And it wasn't it wasn't like Taylor Cornelius levels of like inconsistent game to game. It was play to play. We you didn't know it was so Jekyll and Hyde. Now he's got another year under his belt, but I'm interested to see how if he's able to be more consistent over the course of a full game. And but if he's not, then I think they're they're an extremely one dimensional team.
0: Yeah. I'm just ready for some football, man. I'm I just know. ready for it to be. Is this a what's worse, um, the lead up to Christmas as a kid or or the lead up, the week of college football for like an adult? Ooh.
1: Uh, I'll say the week of college football as an adult because at least the lead up to Christmas as a kid, you're on Christmas break like you're home you're you're lazy you're not doing anything we you know you have work week as an adult and then it's just oh get it, getting to that weekend it's just so great but at least as a kid you're really not doing anything leading up to christmas anyways
0: yeah i'm just
1: age no,
0: when you spend all your time just talking about it and reading about it and looking into it. And you're just like, I want to to actually talk about a game, please. I don't want to sit here and try and continue to find new ways to sound smart about things that I'm assuming and guessing. And and yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So before we, I think we we both talked about our, our game prediction a little bit ago, we're kind of in that 38 to 21 somewhere range. What's your uniform prediction? First one of the year.
0: So I can't figure out if the helmet that was tweeted out about, the black helmet. Oh,
1: that helmet uh, is so nice.
0: Chrome brand, the, uh, the Chrome face mask and the, um, the Paisley stripe. If that was just something to tease us and make us think that's going to happen. And I wouldn't be shocked with, you know, the university going to the brand, showing the brand in the first game of the season and going, I'm going to say that that was there because that's what they're going to wear, which means it's not, but I don't care. Um, Plus, it's fun to, to to do OSU at a school who has to do OS in football because that's the agreement upon. Um, I'm gonna go with that that black helmet. I'm gonna go with white jersey. And I'm gonna go with gray pants.
1: Great, I, I that would look really nice actually. I think the the chrome looks was great. That would look really good. That helmet is so nice. It's like, oh, a oh, it's a solid helmet. It really it, is. It really is. Yeah, I I need that white jersey. and I'm going to go white pants. I don't know why, but I feel like they're. I don't. I don't know. Or, or I wonder if just as a power move, they're going to wear orange just to have orange and black versus orange and black.
0: I I get the feeling we're not going to see much orange. Yes, I don't yeah, she I know. Fans aren't going to like that. I get I'm, the feeling. That's why I'm not picking an orange. I, do, I don't see. I think you're going to get some blacks and some whites. And potentially gray to counter the orange that they're gonna wear,
1: yeah I think I think I'm gonna go black, white, white, we'll go with that we'll go we'll go bold first game, but I think that would be a solid look honestly. black yeah. white,
0: white, and black white, gray, yeah, I like those, I like those, All which right. means they're gonna go orange uh white orange, yes,
1: That's, of course, of course, right um I, I don't which think we got a, I, I don't think we got a single one right last year other than strike the stadium, which was the most obvious of any uniform, yes. I'm looking forward We're to go 0-12 again this year. All right. Absolutely. All right, Phil. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter?
0: Follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. I promise my Twitter takes are better than my podcast takes. Uh, you can also check out my show, 1012 Podcast, at T-E-N, the number 12 of the word podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts. And yes, our Wednesday episode is an Oklahoma State versus Oregon State preview. Uh, and it's pretty good. I think you guys will like who we had on both uh, for uh, both OSU and OSU. Uh, so check it out.
1: You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF for anything you need leading up to pregame on Friday uh, against Oregon State, and then be looking on Saturday morning, right around right around the time the you know the first games begin to kick off. Philip and I are going to have our immediate reaction to the the game, the Oregon, Oklahoma State Oregon State game. We're recording after the game is over, which I'm assuming will be about two thirty or three in the morning. But we'll have it up and it'll be ready for you guys for Saturday and for your Labor Day weekend.
0: Dude, the the Hawaii Arizona game ended at like one thirty. If we're up till three for a recording,
1: man, who knows? I'll be
0: lucky if I'm awake.
1: <laughs> Pac-12 after darks weird, man. Who knows? Oh.
0: Oh. You run the ball.
1: Oh. Run, run the, the, ball, the ball, please. please. Just, screw it. Just they're gonna come out. Sean Gleason's going flexbone. Screw it. Just just get just get the get the f out of out of Corvallis, please. all right we're gonna end on that before this thing gets too weird see y'all